Thank you very much, Tom, and thank you everyone for the very, very warm welcome. So, as you all heard, my name is Grant. I'm married to Rachel. We have two sons, Joshua and Samuel, and we've been going to Christ Church since about 2011. Um, I run the Heart and Soul Prayer Morning, which is here on Wednesdays at 6.30. And if you come, you'll get a bacon roll and a hot cup of coffee or tea. Amen. <laughs> I'm also uh, a helper on the Keys Community Detox Group, which meets here on Mondays. Uh, this is the first time I've been asked to preach, and I'm very privileged to have been asked. So please do bear with me if I stumble or refer to my notes quite a lot. Um, when I was... While I was blessed to be asked to speak, I was told the topic was on accountability to God and each other. Not a light topic, and I gulped a bit. I gulped a little bit more when doing my research. I found out that we are accountable for every single word we speak on earth. And those who teach are held to a stricter standard. So thank you, Sai. <laughs> okay, let's see if this thing's working. Kurt, I think you're going to have to do it if it's not going to reach. See? Okay, it's working. Brilliant. So, disciples of Jesus are accountable. So what does the word accountability actually mean? The Cambridge Dictionary describes it as the fact of being responsible for what you do and able to give a satisfactory reason for it or the degree to which this happens. So that means we're accountable both for our actions and inactions, for our time, what we do with it, what we don't do with it, our thought life, and so on. The Bible has much more than a few, it has quite a few references to accountability, and here are a few that I picked up on. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 10, it says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. And again, in Romans 14, 10 to 12, it says, Why do you pass judgment on another believer? Or you, why do you despise a fellow believer? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the foundation that is Christ Jesus. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I've picked three areas to focus on for my part of the message. So, we're accountable to God because of who he is and what he's done for us. If we're going to take accountability seriously, we need to take God seriously. And who is God? Well, there simply isn't enough time on earth to answer that question satisfactorily. But first and foremost, he is holy. 
and the angels in Isaiah 6.3 drive the point home by crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy simply means set apart by God and for God. That is why he commands us to be holy, for he is holy. Jonathan Edwards, in an attempt to describe God's beauty, says this, God is the foundation and fountain of all being and all beauty, from whom all is perfectly derived, and on whom all is most absolutely and most perfectly dependent, of whom and through whom and to whom is all being and all perfection, and whose being and beauty is, as it were, the sum and comprehension of all existence and excellence, much more than the sun is the fountain and summary comprehension of all the light and brightness of the day. Edwards only begins to describe the majestic glory of our God, to whom we owe all tribute and complete submission of our hearts, so that the Holy Spirit would fill our lives and empower us to walk humbly before our King. Now, Andrew Murray, that's the South African 19th century theologian, not the tennis player, he said this, being filled with the, with the Spirit is simply this, having my whole nature yielded to his power. When the whole soul is yielded to the Holy Spirit, God himself fills it. We are accountable to God because of our relationship with him. It's like a marriage. In a similar way, a person chooses to commit to their spouse. We as Christians choose to submit our lives to God and are therefore accountable to him. In 2010, I was diagnosed with a serious heart defect and required urgent major surgery. Afterwards, I was put onto powerful painkillers and diagnosed with reactive depression. After a long time, my pain subsided. However, by this stage, I had become addicted to painkillers and was taking increasing amounts of medication, even though I knew I no longer needed the medicine. Sometime later, my younger, Brian, my younger brother died in very traumatic circumstances, which provided an excuse to increase my reliance on medication, fueling significant relationships issues between Rachel and I. I was an emotionally abusive partner, behaving selfishly at the expense of my lovely wife. By October 2015, Rachel wanted a separation. Most people thought that there was no chance of our marriage being redeemed. I was now living apart from my family. I had an open ticket to live how I wanted to, or to recognize that God still cared about the choices I made. In the depth of all this pain, I was still accountable to God. And he was the only hope we had for reuniting. On the first night apart, I got rid of all my medication, which was not an insignificant amount. I went teetotal for good measure, and I threw myself into prayer, counseling, and exercise. I've gone backwards. <laughs> I recognized that Rachel would need to see not only a physical and mental change in me, but a change of my heart as well. I knew that God was the only hope I had. If I wanted his deliverance, I needed to truly humble myself. 
I agreed to marriage counseling, and during those difficult sessions, I had to decide what I really wanted, to win every argument and justify my selfish behavior, or to win my wife back. By God's mercy, I chose the latter. And so, by seeking God together, we did receive a marriage miracle. Now, Rachel and I share a wonderful relationship, which isn't without its bumps along the way, but it's loving and God-centered. Caveat, in order to get permission to share this story, Rachel said that I needed to clarify to you, the church, that during this period, I I behaved like an absolute pig. (laughs) (laughs) And she was a loving wife, enduring throughout until she could no longer handle it. This, this was a very brief overview of a very painful time, but we believe it is a testament to the miracles God can do if our lives, in our lives if we let him, knowing that living accountable lives before the Lord and each other is a gift, not a burden. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, Jesus bought us at a price. He's the groom. We, the church, are his bride. This relationship is born from an authentic desire to love God. Being accountable is not a burden when it flows from a genuine relationship with the Almighty. As the Lord reminds us in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please make a biblically authentic relationship with God your greatest treasure. So as accountable citizens of the kingdom of God, what does the Lord of Lords expect of us? As disciples of Jesus, we read in John 8, 31 to 32, that Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. In John 15, 9 to 10, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Christ teaches us in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, that the two greatest commandments are, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, And with all your mind, this is the first and greatest command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Jesus also said in John 4.23, The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Living an accountable life before the Lord does not mean that God wants us to grovel and be miserable and avert our eyes. No, as the hymn goes, he wants us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full on his wonderful face, that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Being accountable before the Lord is um, not just a good idea, I mean, of course it's a good idea. It comes from God. 
but it goes far deeper than moral living and mere obedience. It originates from the heart. Love for God and love for one another. This is the commandment. We don't get to pick and choose which bits of the Bible are worth believing and by extension obeying. God is not some trader at an outdoor market who you can haggle with. I know at this point, some of us may be thinking, won't haggle. No, he won't haggle. But he will help. He knows what is being asked of us. And that is why he has sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to blend with our spirits in that great and mysterious way, conforming our hearts to the likeness of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6.17, it says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. In John 14.26, it says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Folks, this is where we need to think like a tree. We need to relentlessly push our roots deeper and deeper into the underground streams of living water that we may draw upon his life, not by legalism, but by love, and so bear good fruit. As John Piper once said, we are called to be fruit bearers, not fruit pickers. Legalism brings enslavement and fruitlessness, but accountability brings fruitfulness and freedom. So it's by loving God that we will abide in the vine and bear much fruit. Interestingly, in John 15, 1 to 8, where Jesus talks about him being the vine, we the branches, and the Father the gardener, he says that those branches that do bear fruit, the Father prunes back so that they will bear more fruit and so prove to be disciples of Jesus, which is to the Father's glory. Hallelujah. So a bit of reconceptualization may need to happen about living in God's favor. In other words, troubled times are not necessarily a sign of sin, unwise decisions, or God chastising us, though sometimes they are. Equally, we face, good, uh, we, we face dark times so that we can shine into them to show both unbelievers and believers that our foundation is in Christ, not our circumstances. Do we accuse the gardener of neglect because we're not receiving the easy life we can so easily fall into the pattern of praying for? Or do we ask for the mercy, strength, and courage needed to deal with the hardships the day may bring while remaining in step with Jesus and keeping short accounts with our Heavenly Father? The Lord's Prayer is riddled with accountability. It talks about God being our Father, holy, us praying for his will to be done here on earth. That's like a recommitment every, commitment every day. It also talks about God judging us as we judge each other. We're literally saying, God, hold me to the same account I hold others to. It's kind of an accountability to ourselves as well. It reminds me of this time during lockdown that I was going through Tesco's when they had that one-way system in place. And as I'm pushing my trolley down the frozen food aisle, Lo and behold, I, spoke, I spot a rogue shopper coming against the flow. Immediately, I feel like giving this person a dirty look so that they know that they've done wrong. 
But the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, Grant, be like Jesus. Be different. Be set apart. Be a gracious presence. Distinguish yourself. Be kind. So, feeling convicted, I repent and I submit to the Holy Spirit and I smile a warm Christian smile at this shopper. And then I look down and I see this sign on the floor, an arrow pointing in the opposite direction to which I was going. (laughs) So I literally was judging myself. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your help. (laughs) Folks, when the Holy Spirit tugs on our heart during a situation or thought process, holding us to account by bringing to mind Jesus' teaching, do we resist the Spirit or trust the Spirit? Do we love or do we quench? Do we grieve or do we grab hold of with all humility this mysterious grace which is given so freely? Isaiah 57:15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I will dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is, contri- who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So in summing up, in John fifteen sixteen, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So let us be fruit bearers, laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, living a holy life because God is holy, distinguishing ourselves before many witnesses as his people, set apart and Christ-like, having a heart attitude which reflects the hope, the faith, and the love that we have such unlimited access to through the indwelling Spirit of Christ. Let us not be found lacking in faith and so limit the work Jesus can do in our lives and the lives we touch daily. Keeping short accounts with the Lord and with each other, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes upon Jesus and trusting that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And with that, I hand over to Sai. Thank you. Well done, Grant. That was great. We can all uh, uh, empathise with that, can't we? The COVID uh, situation where we've all uh, looked at other people and realised, oh, hang on a sec, actually, it's me at fault. Obviously, as Grant has made clear, we are ultimately accountable to God in everything. David could say in Psalm 51 that against you and you alone have I sinned. So we will have to give an account to God first and foremost. It's why it's important to lay that foundation there. However, the Bible would encourage us to be accountable to one another as well in, uh, in life and in our walk with God. It's a bit of a silly example, but uh, uh, it will resonate with most of you uh, in the room. Say you wanted to buy your wife or your girlfriend, depending on what stage you're at, a special treat. I mean, a really special treat. How many of you men or husbands in the room 
would trust their own judgment alone, no other input, to be able to do this. Hands up, men in the room, if you would seek advice. Wise men, well done. Actually, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Ladies, how many of you would advise your husband or boyfriend to seek advice as well? <laughs> take, take note of that, uh, guys. Okay, who here has not heeded this advice and wish they had done so? <laughs> a number of us in the room. Let's just say Anna's got a really lovely African dress. I thought, what can go wrong? African dresses, she loves African material. But uh, she's never worn it as a dress. In fact, in the summer, it gets used as a tablecloth outside. So, <laughs> yeah. So, out of a love and a desire to please my wife, I should seek the advice of her friends. And also, now my children are older, because they seem to be better at this than me, my children as well, to ask, ask for help. And out of desire to please God with our lives. A wise disciple is humble enough to seek the input, to seek the help of other mature Christians so that we can shape our lives to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, because this is your spiritual act of worship. You see, being accountable, my friends, actually just makes practical sense when you are trying to please God with your life. Uh, Wilder and Warner, in their book, Rare Leadership, would encourage us to see accountability as having a group of allies around you who aren't there to evaluate what you're doing. They're there to call the best out of you. Even Jesus, you see, the, the sinless Son of God, who John 2 makes clear he didn't seek the approval of anybody. He wasn't seeking the approval of, of man. He, um, he made himself vulnerable to his disciples as well. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Or, uh, the night that he's betrayed, the night that he goes to Gethsemane, he says to his disciples, bearing in mind now he'd been asleep in the storm and all that sort of thing, here he says to his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here with me and watch with me. In Matthew 26. And verse 41 of 26 makes it clear that when he says watch with me, he means watch and pray. Pray for him. Pray with him about this situation. Jesus models accountability. He's vulnerable with his disciples right to the point that actually they're close enough to hear him pray Lord, if possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. If Jesus, who never sinned, made himself vulnerable and wanted people to pray with him when he was struggling with something, how much more do you and I need to get good people around us who we are vulnerable with, who we are honest with, and get them praying for us to help us in our walk with God. You know, Phil Wilhue in his book on discipleship says, accountability is not a dirty word, but a God-given means to help us achieve our heart's 
desire. Picking up on what Grant said earlier, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the Greek word for truth, uh, for, for know there is not just sort of a, a head knowledge that you know something up here. It's truth experience. It's something that you know through personal experience. So, for example, because of what's going on in the news at the moment, we all know about President Zelensky. We know a bit about his history now and uh, the things that he has done. But none of us in the room actually, well, I think none of us in the room, actually know President Zelensky. But many of us know about Mary Rayner, and many of us actually know Mary Rayner. We've experienced her in our lives. And you see, what Jesus is getting at here is not just something we know up here that sets us free. Oh, yeah, we know that's true, so we're, we're free by that. But as we live, as we abide in the truth that he teaches, then freedom follows that. And having those close friends around you that you're vulnerable with, that, that you, can, you can be honest with when you are struggling with something, when you have deviated from something that Jesus has taught that we should do in either our deeds or in our words or in our thinking, then that will enable you to live in the truth. It will enable you to, to help be set free from those areas as you bring those areas of darkness in your life, into the light, for all to, to see. Well, not all, but for those trusted people to see. And they can help you deal with that. You know, Anderson and Reese, in their book, Spiritual Mentoring, say this. A man owes truth to his friend. Without truth, friendship has no value. So what I'm saying to you, what I'm encouraging you is, don't struggle alone with those weights and those sins that cling so closely to all of us. We all have things that we struggle with. Get Christian friends to come alongside you, to be there with you, and to help you throw off those weights and throw off those sins that cling so closely so that you can even put measures in place so you're dealing with all this stuff at an internal stage before it actually matures into action or into words. If our desire becomes, does become actions, though, then yes, we confess it to God as we should. And Jesus makes it clear that we should seek to put it right when we, if we've offended somebody else as well. And as I'm talking about accountability today, I, I'm not going to go down a slightly different track where you're all thinking, yes, well, this person's done it to me, this to me, and they haven't put that right yet. We're not dealing with that side. We're dealing with our part to play in this when we've done things wrong. That's what I'm talking to you about. If you want to look at what we do when others have sinned against you, well, Grant's already referred to it. The Lord's Prayer uh, addresses that in Matthew chapter 6. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 also tells us what to do there. And Matthew 18 verse 15 to 20, give us advice on how to deal with that. But what I'm looking at today is us dealing with the evil within our own heart that flows out of our heart into our lives. You know, we all know that if you have a mouldy piece of fruit in your fruit bowl, that it will affect all the other fruit. It's no point putting fresh fruit in there without taking 
the mouldy piece out because it will quickly make everything turn bad. And in the same way, sin that is left in you undealt with corrupts every area of our life. And by choosing to have those Christian friends around you that you are honest with about your struggles, about your failures, about your victories as well so they can celebrate with you, you will find that you overcome temptation more readily. Actually, accountability is one of the ways that we can answer, or one of God's ways of answering the prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Actually, it's one of the practical ways that God can help us not get into temptation by having people around us that we know are praying for us, that we know we're honest with, and uh, help us think, no, I don't want to I don't want to be that. I want to be the better person that God has made me to be. It helps you to deal with those mouldy bits of fruit in your own heart, which we all have. It helps us to get rid of them. And whilst I'm talking about this, can I encourage us all to be extra vigilant in the terms of what we do with our mouths, in terms of our words, as Grant said at the beginning, we will be held accountable for everything we say. And James 3 warns us about that. Let's watch out for the devil's favorite way of setting up wildfires amongst his church through things like slander, through things like gossip, through things like talking badly about others and judging their motives when you don't really know what was going on in their lives at all. The devil and our own sinful nature They love this because actually, particularly when it's against leaders as well, because it makes you feel better than them. It it, it feeds your pride because by saying those things, you're saying, well, I wouldn't do that. I mean, look look at what they do. Don't use your mouths to bless the Lord and to curse your brothers and sisters, James 3 warns us. Choose to think and speak well of each other. And this is an area that we should be especially accountable to, not just the things that we do, but the things that we say, and also the things that we're thinking and struggling with as well. And then one final area that I just want to highlight to you that we are, all of us in this room, are accountable for, that I think I should highlight really in the light of the shocking events that are going on in Ukraine at the moment. We know... As Grant said earlier, God will hold those in authority to a greater account. So we know that nothing will get past the judgment seat of heaven. He will judge judge those in authority more strictly. However, we also need to remember, as citizens of the UK, that in a democracy, power is with the people. And therefore, God is going to hold you and me accountable for our nation's actions to some degree or other. Because we're in power, whether you like it or not. Your democratic voice has power. And therefore, you need to use it to make sure that you are getting the Christian point of view across Now, I'm not saying that all of us should go into politics. However, I do believe as I was preparing this, there is someone in the room and you know who you are. God is speaking to you about going into politics and you've been feeling that call for a while. So uh, if that's you, you know who you are, 
Come and grab me afterwards as well. I'd love to uh, pray for you. But for the rest of us, can I encourage you? Make sure that you're writing to your MPs and not just, you know, when you want to complain about something, as many people do, but also to thank them when they do things well and to, um, you know, and to just uh, 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 give them praise where that, that is deserved as well. Make your voice heard, is what I'm saying, your democratic voice. Sign up to things like Christian Concerns so you know what bills and what legal challenges are coming through and affecting uh, the UK so that you can engage with that and write to your MP or write to whoever they advise and make the Christian voice heard in that situation because God will hold each one of us to some degree accountable for how we have used the power that we have in a democracy. So I'm going to bring things to a close there. That's all I want to say uh, on that, really. Just a, a little aside because of the light, in the light of the, the trouble around the world. But I would invite the worship team up as well if you want to come up and start getting ready. Disciples of Jesus are called to be accountable to God in everything. And wisdom would lead us to humbly be accountable to others so that they can help us in our journey of becoming more like Jesus, to be holy as God is holy. And my challenge to us all this morning is let's be good disciples and let's make that decision in your hearts right now. Let's make that decision to live in the light and let other people come alongside you and help you with the areas that you're struggling with. Amen? Amen. Can I invite us to stand? I'm just going to pray for us all, because in a way, actually, this is relevant to all of us here this morning. Just stretch out your hand, sit in front of you if you feel comfortable with that. The Lord's here. As Grant said, he's our heavenly Father. He loves you. He's not here with a big stick waiting to punish you. He wants to call the best out in each one of us. He has the best for each one of us. And we just get distracted by so many things. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us enough to die on the cross to save us. Thank you that you gave your life, Lord God, so that we could have life, that we could be forgiven when we make mistakes, that we could be set free, Lord God. We can know the truth and be set free. And Lord God, I just pray for each one of us, that you would help us to be people that live in the light, that help us to be holy like you are holy, help us to be uh, real with you and real with those other people around us, Lord God, those close people, Lord God, to help us to become more like you, Lord Jesus. Lord, do a deep work in us, Lord. We want to be more like you. Thank you that your spirit is here. Your spirit is here, Lord God. Even, I just believe the Holy Spirit is just going to highlight to you now, just some areas he wants you to deal with. Just, just be open to God's spirit. He's, uh, he's just, just wanting to put his finger on some areas in your life right now. Holy Spirit, just come. Just come and challenge us. And he's not doing it to, to pick on you. He's not doing it to make you feel bad. He's doing it because he wants to call the best out in you. He has the best for you. So just ask him for forgiveness for that area just receive fresh grace. There's fresh grace for you this morning. 
And if it's an area that you know is a repeated problem, just make that decision in your heart. I'm going to talk to so-and-so. I'm going to talk to my discipleship group that I'm in about this. And I'm just going to get them to stand with me and pray with me. So God-given means to help you achieve all that you want in God. Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us. Help us to be more like you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to, as the band begin to play, I'm just going to invite people also to uh, feel free to come up to the front over here to respond. There'll be a ministry team over here, which consists of our pastoral team or life group leaders. If you want prayer for anything, if you want prayer for healing, we'd love to pray for healing, whether it be physical or mental or emotional. We want to gather around you and pray for you. If you want fresh filling with the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you to come forward and to receive fresh filling by the Holy Spirit? And if if you know that there's an area of, uh, that you're struggling with and you just want someone to stand with you, again, come forward for that as well. And uh, we'll get people to pray with you. And I just want to challenge us afresh as a church, you know. Uh, if I was to stand up here and say, do you know, someone out up the front here is going to be handing out £10. If you want to get £10, come and take £10. Do you know you'd all come out just to take £10? Well, what I'm offering at the front here is better than £10. It's better than £50. It's better than £100. It's God wanting to meet with you. So if you feel God tugging at you, if you feel, actually, you yeah, know, I want to receive more of the Holy Spirit. I want, I want a fresh a touch of God. I want healing. I want God to help me in this area. Can I encourage you? Let's not be shy. Let's not, let's not be worrying about what other people think. Let's come and receive from our Father in heaven who wants to give to, give to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's respond. Catherine, over to you.